You are listening to episode number 20 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. So I talk to a lot of people on a regular basis who work a nine to five job and I currently work a nine to five job. I do. And it's, it's for a number of reasons, but there's a lot of people at my nine to five job and in my social network and in my family that work nine to five jobs that I'm able to communicate with about things like this. Now I'll ask people uh, in that situation, you know, what they do in their free time. I ask this all the time and they usually respond with something that's just, you know, like a, almost like a time wasting activity. (laughs) If it's not time spent with their family, which is very important and very precious, it's usually a time wasting activity because they don't have the mental capacity or energy or drive or any real motivation at all to do anything that, uh, you know, of that nature outside of their job. And that's extremely common as we all know. And, um, but I find it interesting. And when I dig a little bit deeper, which is something else about me that you know, a lot of you may not know, is that I'm, I'm constantly, when I'm talking to people, I'm constantly digging and I'm constantly asking questions. And I, I find relationships to be extremely valuable. And in, in building those relationships, I tend to reveal a lot and I tend to ask a lot of questions and I tend to pull back layers and just see what makes people tick. Um, so it's just something that I've always done. And when I talk to people about um, why they why they think they have a lack of motivation or why they spend their free time doing something that's extremely non-productive or you know basically a time wasting activity, uh, the response is they just they have no mental energy, they have no motivation, they have no drive. Once they go to work and come home from work, they've got nothing left. And then a lot of people I talk to, uh, just because of my age and just who I hang out with, um, a lot of people have kids. So between working and going home and taking care of the kids and driving them places and making them dinner and doing all that stuff, there is absolutely an opportunity to you know, have no drive left after all that. That's extremely understandable. But uh, it, the fact that a lot of these people at the same time also are full of complaints and also have a lot of reasons to hate getting up in the morning and verbally outwardly speak about that. Uh, so I find, I find that interesting. The fact that they, they leave work, they take care of their family and then they do nothing in their free time. Once all that is done, they do nothing or they do some, you know, they watch TV or something and then they go back to work and partially or completely miserable at that job. And then they do it all over again every single day. That seems to be such a common scenario. And I've been trying to figure out why that is. The obvious answer is that people are drained. Like I just explained, you know, people have no energy, no drive, but that can't be the only reason. If you think about it, what, what is the real reason people are held back from trying to create something or trying to produce something that will lead them to a lifestyle that they don't currently live. Why is that? Why do they play the lottery and hope they win a hundred million dollars at the lottery? And once they get that money, they can then create the lifestyle they really want. 
which never happens by the way, really. So, you know, this is, this is something I've been thinking really deeply about. And it's interesting because a lot of people, most people are capable of doing this. Uh, it helps to have, you know, this relentless drive in order to, to, to build something and be creative and, and create the lifestyle. Uh, but you don't need to be born with a special DNA strand to do that. And I try to tell people that. And honestly, what happens when I try to tell people that are at my place of employment or when I talk to people at parties or whatever, you know, gatherings, I, the response is usually just just the complete opposite of what I would expect and what maybe some of you would expect. It's like, I'll start talking about, you know, you can you can kind of do this. You can, uh, you know, you have, what would, what do you like to do? I'll ask questions. What do you like to do? What would you, what would you do if you could change your career today? You know, what would you prefer to do? And what, if you could create a, a business today, what would it be? And the response is always, you know, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll actually get a response that will be something realistic. And then I'll try to build on that with people and I just lose them instantly. And, uh, at first I thought it was just people are lazy and there is definitely a laziness component to it. But the other thing that, is honestly my my number one um, my number one theory my number one hypothesis for people not doing something like that is limiting beliefs. And when I say limiting beliefs, uh, the textbook definition of that is obviously you know not believing in yourself. And then when you don't believe in yourself, you take zero action. And when you take zero action, you become miserable. And then when you become miserable, the limiting beliefs just kind of grow. So it's like this cyclical thing, but it's, uh, when I, you know, that's the textbook definition, but more than that, it's, it's, it's that I think people are, they limit what they're capable of thinking about and what type of scenarios and lifestyles they are able to picture themselves in. So let me explain. I work with PhDs. I work with a lot of people with master's degrees. I work with some some incredibly brilliant people on a daily basis, both in the the business world who are handling hundreds of millions and into the billions of dollars on an annual basis. And I also work with some incredibly brilliant scientific minds who are capable of and have demonstrated amazing technological advances in and around military and aerospace. Okay. And it's, it's really incredible to see some of the things that these people do and some of the, like the 16th chapel type of things that they're able to paint on their canvas when they go into their place of employment, but they are stuck thinking in that bubble. And I have talked to a lot of these people about creating things outside of that, uh, that world, that corporate world. And they are so limited in their own minds to only working for that company's bottom line and producing things for that company, that corporation that I, I am just, I'm fascinated by it. I don't understand it. Because they almost, it's not even a risk thing. It's not even that they're unwilling to take risk. It's that they are unwilling to 
to like unchain themselves from that, uh, that the hold that they're currently in, which is supplemented by uh, a six-figure salary and benefits and a steady nine-to-five schedule, thereabouts, you know, company, laptop, all that stuff. Uh, but they're unwilling to like mentally break away from that. And a lot of these people, just on their intelligence alone, could do amazing things outside of a nine-to-five. I know this. But when I talk to them, they exhibit some of the some of the most dominating and prominent limiting beliefs that I have ever seen in a human being. It's amazing. So these people who are so successful academically, so successful career-wise, have limiting beliefs that are absolutely massive in comparison to some of the limiting beliefs that my five-year-old son has or that... Uh, some of my other colleagues and friends and people in masterminds that I'm a part of, both free and paid, um, have. These people have way more limiting beliefs than those folks in, in those groups. And it's, it's again, it's fascinating to me. And I think it's, well, I think the big takeaway there is that uh, because a lot of people think that without a master's degree or a bachelor's degree or some some sort of higher education, some sort of academic, you know, uh, approval. Uh, without that, they can't go ahead and do something entrepreneurial. They think that that is a big gateway to that kind of thing, and I have evidence that that is just not the case. You can have all the academic achievements and experiences behind you. And that is not going to give you really much of an upper hand unless it's a direct skill set that you can take and then employ somehow onto what you're trying to do. It's not going to really help. So I just wanted to bust that myth right there. Okay. Academics does not make an entrepreneur and, uh, and limiting beliefs are something that are not only in people that don't have some kind of academic success or some kind of career success in a nine to five, right? Um, limiting beliefs are something that even the most successful people can have. So, which kind of leads me to my next point. Everybody has limiting beliefs, All right? Even the most successful entrepreneurs encounter limiting beliefs, even if it's just for a second or two here and there, it does happen. And when I say limiting beliefs in this case, in this instance, it is kind of that textbook, um, that textbook definition, that textbook cycle. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a a very prolonged thing. Um, a lot of people, when they're just starting out, they have limiting beliefs that take over. And when they take over, they prevent that person from doing anything. So let me give an example. I know several people who I have introduced to methods of making money online and uh, doing this stuff part-time, you know, some of the stuff I talk about here in the podcast. And, you know, these are things that don't take a tremendous amount of time. And what happens, what has happened with some of these people is they get an idea and have come back and talked to me about that idea. And I've helped them work through some of the details and then kind of sent them on their way almost with a blueprint and some other resources that I've recommended that they look into in order to get to wherever they're trying to go. 
and they don't get anywhere. Maybe they they work on it for a couple days, but then what happens is after that, they start to build up this fear in their head that they're, there's no way they, in their free time, their very limited free time, can go from working their nine to five job to creating a company that's in a completely unrelated field or, you know, building a product or a brand and then building and then, you know, taking that and building a lifestyle out of it. So they start to think that. And because they think that, then they do less and less and less. And then ultimately they do nothing. And then they get frustrated and then they settle back into whatever they were currently doing or previously doing. And they just stay there. And then after a while they whine again about it. And then I have gone back and had conversations a second time about it and found out what kind of the root cause was and tried to get them back on the horse, if you will. And, and the, the limiting beliefs have just crippled them completely at that point. So that happens all the time. Everybody's got ideas. This is what separates people who are successful from non-successful people. Um, outside of, you know, like a nine to five where everything is spoon fed to you. It's not, like I said, the academics or the skill set that you really possess. It's the difference between having ideas and taking action on ideas. And limiting beliefs are kind of the gate between those two things. Right? They kind of separate them. So people who have ideas are talkers. People who take action on ideas are doers. And people who take action on ideas are people who are able to stand up to their limiting beliefs and push them out of the way if need be, because everybody has them, right? Everybody has limiting beliefs, but it's, it's pushing through those limiting beliefs and saying either, uh, I don't care what my limiting beliefs are saying, I'm going to do this anyway, or they're saying, yeah, I know I'm not good enough to do this, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to fail and I can't wait because if I fail, I'll learn something. All right. And that takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a certain personality to be able to do that. And it's not something you have to be born with. It's something that you can, you can become, I guess is the right way to say it. And I was that person. And a lot of people I know were that person. And if you've listened to the interviews on this podcast over the past few months, you will, detect a pattern in some of the responses that some of these people say. I mean, these are millionaires that I'm interviewing. And one of the things that is very common across all of them is believing in yourself is kind of the key to everything. Because if you believe in yourself, you'll find a way. Okay, now we're all parents here, right? There's no guidebook. Well, we're not all parents, but most of us listening are probably parents. I'm a parent. And there's no guidebook to raising a child as you know, right? And the, you can't really predict what a day is going to be like necessarily. You can't predict what your child's going to be like when they enter the world. But, you know, you may even have limiting beliefs during the, you know, like the pregnancy leading up to, to you know, the birth and everything. And that's okay. You know, you, you can wonder about whether or not you're going to make a good dad or you're going to make a good mom. And you can almost be fearful of that. But when it actually happens and you have no choice and it's there, you know, your child's here and you have to take care of them and you have to uh, provide for them and you have to raise them, 
then you just do it, right? You just find a way. And people say that all the time. You know, we'll worry about that later. We'll worry about the money. We'll just, we'll figure it out. It'll work itself out. It'll always work itself out. Well, that's true because you're taking action on it. The only difference is you have no choice, right? Uh, when, when that baby comes, you have no choice. I mean, you have a choice, but for all intents and purposes of the conversation, we have no choice. So you, you just, you're, you're forced to do it. And when you want to make a lifestyle change, right? If you want to make that, that entrepreneurial leap, you have a choice. You can either do it or not do it. And if you don't do it, you can go back to your very consistent, very predictable nine to five job, you know, hope, hopefully in, in most cases, it's probably relatively stable and you can just do that. And if you, you know, if it's not stable, whatever, you can find another job. You can always find another job, but that life, right. Of working a job for somebody else, you can always go back to that, but your entrepreneurial pursuits may be extremely challenging and you have to make the choice to go after that. The reward at the end could be massive and it could be significant to the point where it's the difference maker between looking back on your life and loving everything about it up to that point, right? Or not. So I don't think in general, a lot of people on their deathbed after 90, 80, whatever years on this planet, I don't think you would find a lot of people that said that say on their deathbed, Man, I just, I loved working my nine to five job so much. I wish I could have worked my nine to five job more. And you may not find people that say, I wish I worked more hours on my, my own brand or my own business. You may not find those people either, but I guarantee that if you talk to people who spent their whole life building their own thing around their lifestyle and you compare a, a big pool of people in that situation versus people who spent their whole life working at a job that they didn't particularly enjoy for somebody else's bottom line, that the overall fulfillment factor would be way higher for the person who pursued their own thing for themselves and their family versus working for somebody else. And the difference, again, is overcoming the limiting beliefs. Okay, you have limiting beliefs. I have limiting beliefs. Everybody that I've interviewed here, millionaires, multimillionaires, people who are making, and the numbers might sound crazy to you, but it's true, making hundreds of thousands of dollars per month, right? These people all have limiting beliefs. The difference is that they took action and they went and pursued the thing that they wanted regardless of the limiting beliefs, okay? They had that knot in their stomach and they embraced it rather than shy away from it. That knot in your stomach is a good feeling. That is actually a sign that you are doing the right thing, that you are going after something that is unknown to you and the risk might be there, but the reward at the end of going after something like that when you get that feeling is always going to be higher, it's always going to be higher, right? And you can just compare that back to the first time you talk to your girlfriend or boyfriend, okay? When you pers- when you approached someone uh, that you wanted a relationship with for the first time, that knot in your stomach, 
Okay. That's what, what would have happened if you didn't overcome that fear, right? You wouldn't have talked to that person and you wouldn't have taken that next step to wherever it led to. Right. And that's just one example, right? When you go for job interviews, nine to five jobs, right? They're, they're a dime a dozen, but when you go for that job interview for the first time, when you were a little bit younger, uh, a lot of people get that knot in their stomach. They get nervous. They're not sure what they're, what they're going to say. They, they sweat, you know, they get sweaty palms. They're not sure how it's going to go. And they rehearse. They, they ask people and what are the most commonly asked questions during interviews? What should I do? How do, how do I prepare for this? Um, and they get nervous, you know, but if you didn't go in and you didn't take the interview, you wouldn't have got the job. You wouldn't have gotten your salary or whatever, and you wouldn't have been able to make that next step in your life. So, and it, it, you can dial it back even more presentations in school. You get that knot in your stomach, right? And you stand up in front of the class for the first time or the first time that year. And you're looking at people you don't know, and you have to talk about something that your teacher told you to talk about and you have no idea what to say and you get nervous or whatever, even though you prepared. Um, and then maybe you crush it, right? Maybe you get up there and you absolutely kill it. Um, so when you get nervous and you get that knot in your stomach, that's a sign that things are going in a direction that could have a significantly different and significantly positive impact on what's going on in your life right now. So with that, I'm going to end this episode, but I want you to take your limiting beliefs, embrace them, okay, and then push them aside and take action on your ideas rather than just think and conceptualize and produce ideas only to not take action on them. Okay. Uh, do me a favor. If you got value out of this episode and you know somebody else that has limiting beliefs that are holding them back, please share this episode with them. Okay. Share the episode, share the podcast. I'm trying to help as many people as possible overcome this very common scenario of being held down and pushed down by their limiting beliefs. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to me, honestly. And I will see you in the next episode. Take care.